Welcome to Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC, and a place where leaders learn from leaders. Let's join today's episode. Hello, and welcome to today's Perspectives podcast brought to you by the team at Essence Learning. My name is Phyllis Williams, and we're going to be speaking with Mindy Spiegel today. Mindy is a part of the Essence Learning team and the author of the book, There's a Snake on My Head. Mindy has many years in the healthcare industry. She is a nurse and has a lot to share on her book today. So I'm going to turn it over to Mindy and let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her book. Thank you so much, Phyllis. I'm I'm honored to be here and to be talking with you today. Um, As Phyllis said, I'm a nurse. And about 10 years ago, I heard someone speak, Colleen Sweeney was speaking about um, patients' fears. And she used an analogy that imagine that there's a snake on your head. Phyllis, are you afraid of snakes? Oh, deadly, yes. Well, imagine for just a moment, Phyllis, that there's a snake sitting on top of your head. He's just moving around up there. And I come in and I say, Phyllis, I have very important things I need to tell you so you can take good care of yourself when you go home. How much are you going to hear with that snake on your head? Not much at all. Right? And we do that every day in healthcare. And what I'm learning is outside of healthcare. And people people walk in afraid. They have a snake on their head. And we tell them important things and they don't hear us. And so in, um, and Colleen actually found that um, 96% of people walk in, in healthcare afraid and coined the term clinicophobia. So I decided to learn a little bit more about what people were afraid of and what was the most important thing we could do. So in 2018, I had a group of nurses that helped me interview over 200 families about their fears when they walked in our doors. Nice. And what turned out to be the best, the most important question was that question about what can we do about it? And what we learned across the board, inpatient, outpatient, surgery, um, ER, they said, keep me informed, keep me safe, and keep me comfortable. Yes. So um, the first half of the book is really about my strategy, about my research. And the second, and then it begins to talk about strategies to help people feel safe in the healthcare setting. The aha of this and the part that is important for leaders out there listening, whether you're in healthcare or not, is that in March of 2020, one of my very favorite nurses said to me one day, "Um, Mindy, I'm so worried I'm going to make a mistake because I can't focus. I can't concentrate. And I said, oh, my gosh, Rachel, there's a snake on your head. And I had been teaching this for many years, so she knew exactly what I meant. And she looked at me and she said, you're right, there is. And if you think about March of 2020 in healthcare, we were learning by the minute what it was that we needed to do to keep people safe. It was changing by the minute. And so um, what Rachel was worried and what did she need? Keep me informed, keep me safe and keep me comfortable. So um, then I thought about uh, work I had done um, with leaders and with teams over the years about how to create a great workplace, because you have to do that first before you can create a great customer experience. 
And I looked at key times that people might be, other key times that people might be afraid when they get a new boss, when they get a new leader, mm-hmm. when they want to change. And what do people need? Keep me informed, keep me safe, keep me comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, recently we, we had, going back to the healthcare issue, we had a scare in my family and um, all we could, or me, all I could think about is the situation, what was going on and um, not um, when, when the doctor was talking to us and telling us what we needed to do, um, I could only think about the first part of that conversation, what the diagnosis was or what they thought. And then all everything else did not register. So they did send us home with a packet of information um, mm-hmm. to, to read over, which, which was quite helpful. But you're exactly right. I think when we're dealing with uh, a situation or something going on, no matter what industry uh, you may be in, as you said, um, you know, you focus on a certain point or to a certain extent, and then everything else just kind of passes on by because you just, it, it's hard to focus after then and to, to understand and learn what you need to learn, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So, so you did, you did speak about that, um, uh, this, this same kind of strategy that applies across other industries, but mm-hmm. have you um, shared that in other industries or spoke with leaders from other industries and kind of got the same yes. um, feedback? Thank you. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, it's interesting. My whole career has been in nursing. That's what I know is healthcare. And so I, I the book is really written thinking healthcare because that was my expertise. Since the book has been published, I have spoken to book clubs of people working in all kinds of different industries. I've had the opportunity to speak at a conference for in um, for an organization in the manufacturing world. I have mm-hmm. spoken to a group of people, a leadership team in the retail world. And you know what? I'm finding commonalities. Um, You know, a friend of mine is an attorney and said, you know, people call our office and they have a snake on their head. And and I'm finding more and more people using that terminology. And a mortgage company, a friend of mine who works in the mortgage industry said, people walk in our doors and they're afraid. And also relayed that was on the customer side, um, but also um, the healthcare team, I mean, or the healthcare team, the workforce um, has those same experiences. Onboarding is a scary thing, whether you're in healthcare or anywhere, right? Yes. So, yeah. Tell us, um, tell us what leaders can do to minimize some of that uh, distress that employees may feel are going through, especially uh, new employees, as you say, or when a new manager steps into a role and things change and are not the way that they used to be. You just don't know what to expect. So help us um, tell managers or leaders what they can do to kind of minimize that. Absolutely. I would love to do that because that's, as I said, that to me is the power of the research I had done. Yes. Um, so, you know, to start with a new job, and that's really what I've been asked most recently to talk about because of of turnover in workforces today. And um, how do you engage that team? How do you get that new person engaged on your team? And if you think about what happens when, you know, you offer somebody a job, 
and you've had a lot of communication with them and they're all excited about it. And then first of all, there's this dead space between the time they accept the job and the time they go in on their first day, right? And they start to get a little bit anxious, right? Think about the last time you started a new job and you were, you know, what were you wondering about? You are not wondering about their policies and their practices and their, you're, you're probably thinking, are people going to be nice to me here? Am I going to fit in? Am I going to know what I need to know in order to do my job well? Are they right? And what do we do on the first day? We usually focus on policies and we focus on paperwork and we focus on, which is what, and we just talked about when you have a snake on your head, you don't hear all those things. So how do we look at onboarding so we can help people feel safe in that interim? And so again, those same things, I think you have to, before you can give them information, which was really the number one thing that patients said was keep me informed. But I think we have to do those other two first. They have to feel safe and comfortable in the organization first. And so even little things like how do we communicate with them during those couple weeks of dead time that says, we can't wait for you to get here. We're looking forward to it. Here's your team members. How do we help them meet people and be welcomed warmly in um, for leaders to spend time with their um, association? So the things we talked about, I talk about with patients that um, that first impression matters. The first impression in a new job matters, right? Um, Words matter, the words you say. And so, you know, even to just use words like, you know, we're going to give you all the information you need to be able to do your job successfully. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're a part of the team. Makes a difference. It matters. Body language matters and how we sit down and make eye contact and connect with people. It matters, right? Mm -hmm. build that relationship. And um, so then let's talk about a new leader coming into the team. Yes. Right. That's another really scary time. Even a team that's a great team, high functioning team works together really well, right? They get a new leader and what happens, right? You're anxious because you're going, well, who is this new leader and what are they going to expect from us and what are they going to change? And, Am I going to be able to still do things, this, whatever it is that's important to that person? And so um, it's important as soon as possible to build that relationship with the team and the new leader. Because what I found in healthcare's results kind of fell a little bit every time there was a new leader that came in, whether the team was high functioning or not, it didn't matter. Results fell. Mm-hmm. Whether the team was happy about getting a new leader or not, that results fell because of that little bit of uncertainty. Um, so actually, um, Valerie Wilson of Essence Learning came into our organization when I was the member of a team that was getting a new leader and introduced us to a transition workshop or a jump start that real quickly helps the leader and the team get to know each other very well, real quickly. What's important? Um, who is this leader? What's important to them? Who is this team? What's important to them? And then the results increase. My other advice for new leaders is that the um, jumpstart is great, followed up by a one-on-one conversation where you begin to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I always teach in healthcare, no one thing about that person that has nothing to do with why they're in your hospital or in your law office or in your store or find out something about them um, Mm -hmm. and you build that relationship. Well, the same is true for your team. Find out one thing about the people on your team that has nothing to do with their job. What's important to them when they walk out your doors? 
And when you know that one thing, it builds that connection. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. You know, I was with an organization for many, many years and many of those years I served in uh, recruitment. And yeah. when we would bring, uh, well, we'd start that recruitment process. We'd go through the process. And as you said, there is dead space between the offer, extending the offer, and then bringing the person on board. And we just wasn't very good about that. Um, didn't even think about keeping in contact once that offer was made, right? Uh, but uh, later in years, we did uh, start uh, encouraging the managers to reach out to those employees, uh, those new hires, just to welcome them and make them know that they're looking forward to them joining the team. But then, like you said, that first day, it's just full of policies, procedures, all of the paperwork that they need to complete. And it's not uh, making them feel necessarily welcome and warm to be coming into a new space. And then the same thing with new managers. Um, you know, it's, it's inevitable that things will change. And so the anxiety that sits with that team while they're waiting to see what this new manager is going to do, right? And what right. effect it is going to have on the team. And if they're going to be able to continue to do some of the things that they used to. Um, so yeah, anxiety is no matter what industry you're in, no matter what team you're on, right? Um, right. All of these, all of these strategies that you speak about in your book does apply across all. So um, that's that's quite interesting and, and good information to share. Um, were you about to say something? No, I just said yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's talk about a healthy workplace uh, when we do have new managers come in and. Uh, even joining an uh, organization and leaving, you know, you are used to doing things a particular way and you have to come into now something different or you uh, get a new leader and things change. How do um, you maintain a healthy workplace and what is the overall benefit for corporations that are able to maintain that? Yeah, thank you. I think in the last few years, I mean, I think it was always there, but it's become even more um, apparent since 2020. Um, yeah. It's amazing. It's just such a, a significant event that kind of yes, it has rolling impacts. But I think turnover and commitment to the workplace. I mean, you hear a lot today about quiet quitting. And so that commitment and that really engaged person who's really going to make a difference for you um, it has to be a healthy workplace. Otherwise, people are going to leave today. There's a large number. I mean, back in when I do my presentation on onboarding, there's a lot of people that leave in those first three months because they go, I don't feel good here. I don't fit in here. So how do we help people feel good about what they're doing and feel good about the team they're doing it with? And then sometimes it's even complicated by the fact that people are working virtually. And so how do we help people feel a part of something bigger than themselves when everybody's working in a different location, and it might be a different location across the country. Mm -hmm. How do we still bring that team together and create that teamwork and that healthy environment that, because otherwise people are going to leave and it's an employee's market right now. There's more people looking for employees than there are people looking for jobs. And so if you find the right person, you don't want to lose them. 
Um, and so I think it's important that we focus on what does that team need? What, what does a healthy workplace mean to that team? And mm -hmm. what does that team need? Um, I think the investment, when, again, when you have those conversations and get to know each of your people individually, find out what's important to them. What's the most important thing to them about their job in the workplace? And where do they see themselves in the next few years? And how can I, as your leader, help you get there? Yes. Important, right? Exactly. And how is your team functioning? Are people working together as a team or are we competing with each other? And so, yeah. So I, I said sometimes really looking at the team dynamics and having trust on the team and a shared vision and all those things are so important to create that healthy workplace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was um, listening to a report um, recently and I think um, what a lot of corporations are finding is that the remote um, and work from home situation is not working for all companies and so and for all teams. And so a lot of them are requiring uh, many of their staff to come back. And that's an issue, too, uh, but requiring some of their staff to come back. And, and yeah. perhaps there is some kind of um, flexibility that they're working with to allow them to work sometime, you know, uh, in the office and, and then other times at home. But, um, yeah, I think that... Uh, building that that uh, camaraderie with your team and making sure that you understand what the needs are of individual employees and not just, uh, you know, knowing their first name, but going beyond that. Uh, the company that I used to work at uh, many years ago, uh, we did a lot of uh, volunteer work. And so that was an opportunity for you to mix and mingle with people outside of your immediate team. And so you got to know, um, you got to meet people for one, but then you got to understand uh, people on a personal level and, and to have those personal conversations. And even with people on your team, you know, you go to work and it's about the work, right? But having that time outside of the office when you can share personal experiences or just what's going on in your life is important to get to know me as a person and that's to get to know everybody me. wants that's what everybody wants you to know who exactly I am. right that's important to me yeah and i was going to say the other thing with virtual um workplaces is i mean as you you know phyllis that one of the most important things is culture and the yes. culture of the organization yes. and from what i'm hearing from people um, that's the hardest thing to maintain with virtual workspaces is that maintaining that culture. Like how yeah. did that person stay connected to the culture of the organization? Um, you know, and I hope we'll, we'll look at why do we want to bring people back in? Um, and do they have to come in all the time or do they come in, you know, once or twice a month or once a week or something just to be able to help them stay connected with each other and with the culture of the organization. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be different in different places. Yes. Yes. Uh, so talking about um, building that team and that connecting with um, employees, uh, a lot of employees um, talk about feeling stress and being um, stressed and how they are trying to manage that. And, and there's a lot of talk about the mental health issue and what's going on there. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to workers and uh, employees that are dealing with stress and managers, how to help employees that are dealing with that? Yeah, good, good question. Um, well, first of all, I wanna to say to people to take care of yourself. I mean, I think that's important. And, um, and 
truthfully, a lot of the strategies that I talk about with your customers also work with you. And I think the biggest one is that words matter. Your brain is mm -hmm. constantly listening to you. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess real quickly to share this story, but I, I, I always fly Southwest Airlines. I'm a Southwest Airlines person because of their customer service. And um, one day I was flying somewhere. I had to fly a different airline because Southwest didn't fly there. And so I got to the airport that morning and I was I had to pay to check my bag. And I was like, oh, I have to pay to check my bag. But, you know, I, you know, I knew I was going to have to, but it didn't keep me from going, oh, Southwest doesn't make me pay. And then I got to the gate and they had a red carpet laid down and, um, they said boarding group one down the red carpet, boarding group two down the red carpet. By the time they got to my boarding group, they said against the wall. And I was like, oh. you know, I, you know, Southwest treats everybody like a first class passenger. The red carpet's empty. Why can't I go down it? In fact, I probably did. Um, and then they didn't do the announcements the same way as Southwest. And by the time they didn't take my drink order, the same way Southwest takes my drink order, I said to myself, stop it. Did they load the plane on time? Did they take off safely? Has this been a smooth flight? And at that moment, I realized I woke up that morning and said, this is not going to be a Southwest experience. And so my brain wanted me to be right and went in overtime to find all the reasons it wasn't. So taking that to the workplace, when we wake up in the morning and we say, oh, it's going to be a Monday, I bet you'll be right because your brain's gonna look for all the reasons it's a Monday, right? And if you go home at the end of the day telling yourself, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, and you beat yourself up all the way home, your brain's gonna start looking for all the things that didn't go right. Exactly. And so what I always challenge people is at the, at the end of the day when they drive home, ask yourself, how did I, or when you turn off your computer or however your day ends, ask yourself, how did I make a difference today? Who did I make a difference for? Because my bet is every day you make a difference. We just tend to focus in on the negative. And if the team is together, even huddle at the end of the week or the end of the day and say, what went well today? And who are we thankful for today to keep our cup refilled? Yeah. And so I'm going to say that's, to me, one of the biggest strategies is change your mindset. If you're constantly looking for poor me and what's going wrong, you'll find it. But if you can look at how you've made a difference, and most of us, whatever our job is, we're doing it because we want to make a difference. Most of us want to make a difference in the world. So yes. I would focus on that. As a leader, I'd make sure my team knew how they make a difference and that they're valued and that I care about them. And I appreciate the work they do, constantly re-recruiting people because you don't want that turnover mm -hmm. um, and recognizing that that's important. Awesome. I'm a huge advocate. I always say that we are in control of our destiny. And so if uh, we look at the glass half empty or empty, it's definitely going to be that way. So um, fantastic advice that you've given and, and great information that you've shared today. Uh, about how to um, manage your stress level and, and how managers and leaders can help their employees manage that. Um, lastly, would you share with the audience um, where they can find your book and where they can find out more information about you? Thank you. I'd be delighted. Um, so 
I have a website. Oh, that came up a perfect time to spell my name. So it's mindyspiegel.com, not with the G, just all one word, mindyspiegel.com is my website. And it has more information about me. It has a short video about my book. It has a link to connect you to where you can order the book. It is available on Amazon. So you could also go to Amazon and Google, there's a snake on my head. And, um, you know, I hope you'll, if you read it, I hope you'll get some value out of it and be able to utilize it. It's a, not a very long book and it's very action oriented. Yeah. So that's what I think is important. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mindy. We appreciate that. And uh, it is a great book and I would encourage everybody to go out and to go get a copy of it. Um, thank you again for sharing that information with us and sharing a little bit about your book. And I want to say to those that are listening today, uh, to learn more about Essence Learning and the products and services that are available or that we have to share, uh, please access our website at essencelearning.net. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we hope to see you on the next podcast. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you for joining Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC. Essence Learning is your solution to personal and professional development. We partner with our clients to develop a learning strategy that will increase productivity, enhance performance, and align with their purpose and goals. For more information visit us online at essencelearning.net or call us at 1-877-657-5755.